Alright kids, you know what time it is. Well, it's 7 a.m. on, um, I think March 1st, or February 29th. <clears throat> Whatever other day it is, depending on what calendar you think you are in. Because why couldn't today be February 29th? Like, who decided that February 29th was last year? Isn't that like some arbitrary discussion? You could have four different worlds. Each world would be the, we are the February 9th, we are the February 29th world. So last year was the official one. And this would be alternative, alternative universe A. And next year would be alternative universe B. One, two, three. I guess the, the fourth one would then repeat. Would be your alternative universe C. And then I think every thousand years or so we get an extra day to make up for the, uh, <coughs> the integration for the decimal points. They keep on trailing. And I would have supposed that every couple of million years we get another day. But who decides when these extra days fall? It seems quite arbitrary. Anyway, that's not what I wanted to talk to you about today. I've been doing a meditation, a mindfulness meditation, which is why I haven't recorded yet. But I wanted to loop you guys in and also make a record of this. So what we're doing is a new technique that I just developed. It's an experiment. It's an experiment of the mind. It's a mental experiment. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk down the street. We're going to go for a walk and try and relax. Not push ourselves too hard. Because I've been pushing myself pretty hard. And then uh, we're going to try and keep alive. Not get run over. So we have a certain survival loop going, as always. And besides that, we're going to observe the chatter in our mind. And we're going to recognize it and name it. And then we're going to say, for every time we recognize and name something, um, this something is being projected onto the screen of my mind. And we're going to try and observe our consciousness as observing the screen of our mind. So then the second step would be my consciousness is observing the screen of my mind. What is being projected there? So we could say this is being projected and being observed by my consciousness on the screen of our mind. So we can keep on going like that, but we're just going to keep that relatively simple formula. This is being projected onto the screen of our mind. It may or may not be true. This is an experiment, kids. So just follow along the instructions. Do what Uncle Mike tells you to do. And we'll see what happens. You see, we don't need to take drugs. We can just do an experiment on our mind and observe what happens. Like a scientist, get your clipboard out, get your lab coat and goggles, get your test equipment out. Pretend you're a scientist observing some strange alien. And that strange alien is you, someone you don't really know. Okay. So the first thought, let me replay some of the thoughts that I had while I was walking. I was thinking about all the drama about the chicken shed burning down and the discussions that people had. And I was caught up in that emotionally and I was thinking about the hate that was being, and prejudice that was being expressed 
against certain classes of people by some people. And then I was realizing that I was judging of those people. And I thought, what would Buddha say? He would say we should have compassion for these people and show compassion to them, but also to ourselves. Because we're all doomed to die and we're all just these little worms squiggling on this planet through the muck, worming our way through the dirt in our short little lives. And we should have compassion for ourselves, for making mistakes and for being the lowly things that we are, so to say or the godly things, or whatever we are. We should show some love for all living things on this planet. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about myself from that perspective, from the Buddha perspective. And he'd just be sitting there being like, looking at my life and even looking at this podcast and seeing me struggle with it trying to achieve some kind of enlightenment some kind of higher level or striving to be something better than we are striving to improve ourselves. And the first thing that I thought was, maybe I have to let go a little bit. And find a balance. Maybe I have to surrender myself to the world. And just be part of it. And um, I was thinking about the Tao, the we, the way, the wheel, and also how every action you take can create a reaction. And trying to do things can cause a negative reaction of people trying to stop you from doing things. And everything you do creates waves and ripples. And there's also pushback like, oh, you made a mistake. And now your chicken shed gets burnt down and you lose your chickens. You didn't plan it well enough. You didn't think about it hard enough. And then I was thinking about Jocko when he said, good, you're still alive. You still got some chickens left. We gotta learn from it. Like we can install a heating system that's not dangerous for the chickens. We can do that research. And I'm sure that these systems have evolved because chicken houses have burnt down. Might have started out with a farmer leaving a candle for his chickens or a lantern. Betsy kicked over the lantern. Caused the fire of Chicago. Supposedly. But back to the, uh, we haven't given up yet. I'm just spewing some of the ideas that I collected, projecting them onto this tape so it can be played for your theater of your mind. So you can say, these words in my ear are being projected onto the theater, onto the screen of my mind, and my consciousness is observing them. I see things that are capturing my imagination, that are triggering reactions 
in my mind. There is a relationship between the internal idea and the external idea being created. I'm modeling what's happening outside of my head with things that are happening inside of my head, creating a relationship, a representation between the two. First creating a representation of what I hear and then that triggering another thing, a deeper thing. So here's my mission, kids. I'm going to find all the little libraries in town and place some books in them instead of building my own. I'm going to make a list of all the little libraries, put them on a map, and then I'm going to make a mission to walk to all of them, carry a book or two to there, and put them in the library. How's that? Then eventually I might create my own little library. That might be a cool project. Hell knows there's a ton of wood lying outside where people threw away all these dressers and things. I should go look at that if we can salvage some of that wood. For some projects. this thought of the little library I passed so things that I walk by while walking are triggering thoughts in my mind projecting them onto the screen of my mind and that triggers some imagination adding more things on my to-do list so I can be a better person or am I just creating random activities for myself First, I randomly pick up all these books I don't need, and then I randomly place them into other people's libraries, and I build my own library. What's the point of all of this? Some kind of weird social interaction? Some indirect action at a distance? So we have the brain as some kind of multi-dimensional being. It's not just two-dimensional. It's not just three-dimensional. It's not just four-dimensional. We have to first realize that. So the brain has more than four dimensions. It's also got the energy dimension. Of different energies moving around but it's got more than that because it has all different types of space-time compressed in it in different ways and everything that you see from the outside world at least is being seen through the theater of the mind. So, we're going to even leave open the question of where the consciousness sits. But it's not directly sitting on the border between the physical and the mental. If it's inside the mind, then it's deeper a higher dimension, let's say. Success through higher dimension so we have our 3D senses, we have our space-time, 
We have the energy of the outside world. We have a brain as a passenger floating in water in our skull, connected to our senses through holes. Listening to itself talk through its tongue, this feedback loop. So we have a feedback loop listening to what's happening around us. We're also listening to what we're saying. And that's also being projected onto the screen of the mind. Because we have an audio system in there as well. Obviously. And right now that screen has a picture of a screen on it. So we have a screen in a screen on the screen of the mind. Now this is where we get into the dangerous loop. The strange loop. Where if you hold the camera at the screen, you see how there's a screen and a screen and it gets smaller and smaller and more wavy and eventually it ends in a point of light. The endless recursive loop. Let's just stare at that for a while. And if you turn the camera a little bit, you'll see this the tunnel shifting left or right. This snake-like thing. Our frames of reality. Time it takes to process them is the distance between the individual frames but also inside of the screen is another screen then it takes a picture of that screen and puts it in the screen so they get smaller just because they're actually physically getting copied and it's got a copy of a copy of a copy This is what also creates chaos, are these self-referential feedback maps. So we have the idea of a process, of a mental process, being projected onto the screen of our mind. And we're trying to abstract that. trying to think about that loop and its components. So we're deconstructing. The deconstruction of the mind is being projected onto the mind. How's that? Some snow has melted, some snow hasn't melted. I guess depending on how much sun it gets, where the trees are, how long the day is. How deep the snow is, how the wind blew the snow. The whole topography, topology the lay of the land is curious and it models what it sees 
we're modeling, we're trying to understand the outside world. We're interacting with it and creating models of it. And we're trying to learn from other people who have created models of it. So there's a whole world of modeling. Professor Winston said that MIT was building mathematical models. That's what they do. That's their job. Building mathematical models of things. sidewalk it has cracks in it and the erosion has really done a number on one side where the water flows This is being projected onto the screen of my mind. The water eroding the sidewalk, creating flows, and the modeling of it. Fluid dynamics, mathematics, topologies of the land, designing of the park, tectonic plates, all of that fun stuff. It's all connected somehow. If I had only paid attention, I would know all of this, but for sure. So I think that's the first step in realizing we're presented with all this knowledge. But how much of it did we really pick up? How much of it did we listen to? How much of it did we accurately record and did we model ourselves? What are we good at and what are we weak at? And everyone's different. Now yesterday I started to So now the question will become, how well are things from the outside world being projected onto the screen of my mind? What's the level of detail? How fast are we going? What are the, what's the modality? All right, what's the bandwidth? How well are we capturing? How many resources are we using? Is this like HK, 8K, or what? Is it 4K? Is it 640 by 480 pixels? Is it 300 baud text? What are we talking about? How fast is this transfer happening? How well are we picking up from the outside world?
how good is the screen of our mind? So these are like qualitative questions now, quantitative questions. Deconstruction and observation of different parts. Divide and conquer. So inspection of the internal. And I suppose just like we have a screen of our mind from the world of the outside, let's say that we've constructed a screen of our mind for what's happening on the inside. How's that sound? We got two screens. One is we're observing what's happening outside. And the other screen, we're observing what's happening inside. And so forth, and so forth. Imagine it could just be an endless recursion of screens. So where's the consciousness? Where's the awareness? Well, we always have the inside-out mind to help us here. We have the overarching survival system, providing balance. Because if any of these crazy ideas gets out of hand, the survival system will just shut them down like a base operating system. Be like, okay, that's enough kids. Time to go to your rooms. There's the Trenton police parked. Good morning, police. Nice to see you here. Thanks for protecting me from the bad guys. City Museum. The LRCM Mansion. Mansion. I gotta come here someday and do the tour. Suppose you can get married here. The city of Trenton has a horse, and I guess those are wheat, or plants growing. The seal of the city of Trenton, 1792. It's got some horse head on there. You don't see too many horses around here though. Maybe they should update that to a Kia, a little car. Or maybe some dude on a moped. Or a motorcycle quad tearing through the park. I guess it's just hard for the um, people who advocate certain programs. Welcome back. Six feet. Museum hours. Noon to 4 p.m. Sundays. No, Wednesday through Saturday. Noon to 4 p.m. Saturdays 1. Okay. 200 years of the of America's liberty. Alicia Elars Lars Leah, Lars Lee. Fine example of Italianate villa designed by John Nottam about 1835 for Henry McCall, paper manufacturer. Trenton Bicentennial Committee. 
So for more information, call 609-989-1191 or 609-989-3632-E-L-L-A-R-S-L-I-E.org. All right. Well, we're going to go check out the website. Virtually visited. Italianed Villa. Built for paper manufacturer. <sighs> Look at the deer. One, two, three, four, five, six deer. And they are enjoying the spring, let me tell you. Munching on the grass. 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 Munching, munching, munching. Munching on the grass. All right, kids. Well, now we're entering the musical section. I don't know who actually listened to the whole episode yesterday. But I was rapping. And rhyming. I'm going to have to cut that out and make a, uh, a song. I have to work on my uh, musical talents. Yeah, because where else would I get a chance to sing in public except here? On this podcast that no one listens to. Where people start hearing me sing and they're like, Fast forward! Or, Rage unsubscribe! I'm not listening to this crap anymore! God damn it, Mike! Tell me about the fungus! I came to hear about the fungus! Where is it? Tell me more about it. Well, we're rebuilding our mathematical world, kids, to be stronger, more resilient. And then we can tackle questions of the fungus later, once we've rebooted things. To be higher fidelity, let's put it that way. And fidelity, I guess, comes from fidel. It comes from um, being true or honoring the true sounds and uh, my wife's a musician and we were listening to the mathematics of music and um, the toning tuning systems and uh, he was talking about taking a tone and dividing it in half and quarters and eighths and then how the notes Um, you create three notes apart, you create, or or called a, tripped, I don't know, if you press three keys apart, certain ones are dissonant, they're not truly um, tuned up, and those turn out to be the prime numbers, kids, like the seven and the eleven. So that's one observation. And the second one was, if you have these chords lined up and you have them, if you have them uh, broken in half and quarters and so forth, like you showed us in the video, it also creates like a parabola. If you look at just where they're twisted, um, it creates like a parabola effect. So there's some interesting visual patterns that I see in everything. I'm always looking for patterns, visual patterns, because I guess that's my strength. So we talked about what are you strong at and what are you weak at. And um, I guess that's good at visually seeing things, not so good at listening. 
And it's funny how I'm able to talk about these things and get so into them. And then when I get home, I kind of forget what I talked about. Because we're traveling inside of some kind of bubble. Inside of some kind of mental sphere. And we get deeper and deeper into it. And we're recording our journey. And then that bubble pops. Kind of. We switch to something else. And it's, it's, it's an interesting experience. A psychonaut. We're exploring the psyche, the mind. We're bubbling. We have a psychonaut experience, a psychedelic experience here on this podcast. Like, uh, that dude, Duncan Trussell, on his Midnight Gospel. I still haven't gotten through all the episodes of that. watching some stuff on planting the garden and um, I'm going to be doing some gardening even today someone call for help screaming but it doesn't look like he needs help it's just walking there might be talking to someone or his dog or something um so we can create models of our consciousness in our mind We can observe our mind from inside the theater of our mind, on, projected onto the screen of our mind. But we're not escaping it yet. We're just doing some logical or mathematical steps. But let's just say there's always going to be a higher dimension that we're not seeing yet. And I have a feeling that it can be captured only through analogy. Like, it's not really a projection onto a screen. That's just an analogy of what it is. hard to put into words. This is why I wasn't even recording. So, um, I'm going to shut up for a little bit. We're just going to listen to the nature sounds. I'm going to think. This will be an experiment.
So I was thinking that um, when a city has made such bad decisions that they're stuck in them stuck with them that's kind of tough I guess that's the situation we're all in. I'm in. Made bad decisions that I'm stuck with. beauty of nature the direct experience of the world also the mathematical nature of the world the way the water is flat yet it's sloping down as it travels and there's bubbles and ripples in it rings of the trees. My dad said that if you cut open a tree, you can learn near, if you want to build an airport, you can learn about the wind shear of that tree based upon the rings. Imagine if consciousness or awareness was something that was influenced by these outside things. Colored by them. permeated and that is the wonderful experience of life the interaction between the outside and the inside this high definition recording that is our eyes that we can't capture everything
I'm going to try closing one eye. That's a weird experience. You can have a psychedelic experience trying to walk with one eye closed. but even your ears, everything, your smell, all of your senses will be higher resolution in that couple of seconds that after you experience something. The highest fidelity, the highest trueness. I'm looking at the water dripping into this little pond, seeing how the rain is dropping on it. I can barely feel the rain, the drizzle, the mist. Ooh, I wonder what time it is. I'm having so much fun on this walk, I don't even know what time it is. Let's, uh, my phone is beeping at me. Let's take a little break, take a little snapshot, check the time, check our messages. 7.45, okay, it's 45 minutes, that's not bad. My dad sent a message. <sighs> he says, oh, you found your cup. He actually listened to it. I love you, dad. Thanks for listening. He said, I'm stressing out too much about my cup. Well, if you make it your mission to get your cup, and plus that was a special cup, I told you why it was special. It was my trophy cup. Like, they don't make those cups. You can't just go buy a cup like that. It was taken from some super rich guy who pays $100,000 a year to go to the Princeton Plainfield Country Club and lives in Princeton and drives his big fat car, and then he leaves his cup in the parking garage for me to capture, rightfully stolen, so to say. And, um, you don't get a cup like that every day. And the, the mathematical question was, the freedom of walking wherever you want has been greatly decreased by um, <clears throat> by having to retrace your steps, and I'm thinking that that's the the, the connection between a teacher and a student, where the teacher is going through certain steps, and they have certain aptitudes. Let's just say a proof. A lot of things are proofs. And you can prove things visually, if I, I find out. You can prove them symbolically. There's different ways to prove things. And I was looking at this area of a... I've been doing a deep dive into linear algebra. And the determinant. And I've saved this up for you guys. I haven't even bothered you with it. And you're like, whew, we thought we would escape without being lectured in infantile mathematics by this idiot who doesn't even know mathematics. <laughs> but you're wrong, you haven't escaped. I've got my instruments of torture. Because part of what is podcast is to be used to torture people in CIA black sites, you see. Like, think Guantanamo Bay, but we don't know about them. 
So they're strapped into a chair and they're forced to listen to this podcast. So that's why I have to include a section on mathematics. Or whatever other topic it is. So, um... So if you have a matrix, A, B, C, D, it's a two-by-two matrix, and you've got four numbers in it, and the column, the first column has A, C, and the second column has B, D, um, the primary diagonal method says you take the top left and you multiply it by the bottom right. Now, if you had a multi-dimensional matrix, this diagonal or a bigger matrix, a 3 by 3 or 4 by 4 this diagonal method would continue. And you continue down the major axis of top left all the way down to the bottom right in a straight line and take everything in between. And you multiply those together. And then you subtract those from the ones to the right, the ones that go from the bottom left to the top right. So in a two by two, that's C times D. So it's A times D minus C times D. Now I looked into this. And um, you can transform this thing into other forms. And uh, you can imagine you've got a vector that's the length of A and it's shifted or rotated to the left um, by the D that's the rotation factor and then you've got another vector that's C the length of C and it's multiplied by it's rotated by B but the way you draw it you normally draw B to be bigger and then it's rotated by C um, those are your I hat and J hat vectors and, and those are skewed off of the main the main thing. So I'm not going to bore you to death, but there's all types of interesting mathematics. Um, and the determinant tells you the area, which is actually this big vector minus this little vector. This big square minus this little square gives you the area. But it's not a perfect square, you see. It's like a parallelogram or a pair. Pipe. Anyway, it's a multi-dimensional object. It's a parallelogram. It's like a, a box that's been sheared and shifted and rotated. Okay. So it's the unit square that gets sheared and rotated by a certain degree, depending on the factors. And then there's little triangles and boxes that you can use to um, figure out the area. It's like two times C times B plus or minus. Anyway. Lots of little bits here. I'm not going to go into it. I'm still working on it. Linear equations. But it's interesting. And it's visual. And this guy had this great video showing how they all rotate. And it's great to watch. But it's hard to remember. Because it's just this little bit of something happening in front of you.
Maybe I should just do some screen captures or screen recordings for documentation at work. thinking about work, this whole Azure DevOps thing, it's only easy because it's all gooey and all that. So I'm just thinking it could be, if I had the tools for automating all this stuff, creation of repositories, and if it could be scripted easier and code-driven, then the Amazon stuff would also be good to code-build. So the, being projected on the screen of my mind, and then also when I was writing my notes, symbols being projected on the screen of your mind, like who's manipulating those symbols? Who's in control of those symbols? Are we just passive, sitting in a theater, looking at the screen? Or is there a stream an output stream where we're controlling the body, we're controlling the world and interacting. The inside-out model where we are manipulating the outside world to explore it and control it. So maybe that's a better <laughs> I was just thinking about my dad saying, you're stressing out about this cup. <laughs> How something you can be so connected to with all these different means of association. Associations, things that wire, fire together, wire together, things that are associated, neurally connect. So I guess some of this 
or these tables of association and these um, different ways of connecting things that I learned, let's say astrology or different symbol ma magic stuff like the Kabbalah where it connects the words and the numbers together in some weird ways primitive hashing tables collisions algorithms ways of remembering things and they don't have to be even true it's just a structure for remembering for memorization and they think there's some connection between the words and the numbers and the sounds we have to look into Pythagorean tuning first small the secondary axis produces the angle it's like you go over two and you go up three or whatever that creates the small box and the second number says how far you carry it carry it up and how far you carry it down. Looks like these flowers are already blooming off these trees. Allergy seasons are coming, kids. I think I've really um, gotten out of my meditative state. I fell off the horse here. We're gonna have to go back in. But also it's like, you got only so much psychedelic juice or jet fuel that you can use. That's why taking drugs too often doesn't work because you can only trigger so much reaction. You see? There's only so much endorphic or endomorphic or whatever you want to call it. Body owned, your own body produces so much of the psychedelic substance that you can tap into. And once those reserves are used up, you have to wait for it to recharge. You know, so drink some water. They say drink a gallon of water a day for the hard 75 and work out twice. <sighs> Follow a diet. Hey, I'm down three pounds now. After working out so much or walking so much. I need to go back onto my, my diet. I believe that if we continue doing something and getting better at it, eventually we're going to have a breakthrough. 
also continually podcasting every day. It's almost been a year. Eventually, we might reach some kind of new level. We might level up. We might build up some competency. Some self-confidence, at least. Some awareness. Some awareness. Some kind of spark. Okay, it's beeping at me again. Why are you beeping at me? Well, that's my work. you know what kids I think one hour is good enough to give you what do you think if you want more why don't you tune in tomorrow or drop me a line and say Mike that wasn't enough garbage you need to feed us more garbage we need more I'm gonna think about things some more kids and if I uh, have anything really good to say I'll drop in all right you take care <laughs>